This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar. Coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Rod Dog. And on the Laugh Button Podcast Network, Dan Natterman here in lockdown. 2021, we're still locked down. I'm here with Noam Gorman, owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar, Perry Alashan, brand our producer. With us, Graham K, award-winning comedian, as seen on Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He has an autism awareness podcast, podcast called Autastic. And post new comedy sketches weekly on YouTube and Instagram. I should also mention he is a Juno Award nominee. Yes, that's right. He's Canadian, folks. But he loves America and he lives here now. And I think he has a green card. Do you have a green card, Graham? I do. It was the best time to get one. Graham asked me to 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 write a letter on his behalf, I did. saying that we couldn't live without him here in America. And so I I lied and I said that uh, he's he's indispensable to the to the. Um, Comedy scene. In and America. who would fill this fourth square if it wasn't me? There's nobody else. Yeah. And of course, it's been a jam-packed week, obviously. Um, a lot to talk about. Uh, did Trump get impeached, by the way? We're, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Yeah, he did. He did. I just, looked, I just found impeached. out now. Yeah, he got impeached. He sure fucking did. I, I saw a video on YouTube. It was a uh, Alan Dershowitz video where he, he um, kind of breaks down the legal case for impeachment and needless to say, he comes out against impeachment and he makes a very convincing case. For one thing, they're not impeaching with any intent to remove him. They're impeaching only with the intent to keep him from running again. And according to Dershowitz, this is unconstitutional because the constitution says that impeachment is for the removal of officers. Any thoughts about that, Noam? No, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I can look up the impeachment clause. Um, yeah, I mean, I always thought that's what it was for. You know, it's, uh, if, if the intention is to make sure that he never runs again, um, I mean, it seems a little bit undemocratic that, that the past is going, I mean, he's so old, it might not uh, matter, but let's say, you know, this was 20, let's say he was 20 years younger. It seems a little weird that the past is going to, impose its will on the future on something like that. Um, I, I'm more interested in the pros and cons of impeachment. Um, and, and Dershowitz also said that there's no possible case that this was incitement under the meaning of the law. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I've been, I've been, you know, emailing back and forth with my smarter friends today. And um, this is a, this is a squishy, thing because it's not it's pretty clearly not incitement under the law and then the question is well okay then what does it mean to for the purposes of impeachment what does incitement mean <clears throat> by the way just for the record i think that there's a stronger case to impeach him for trying to pressure people to overturn the election as it were um mm -hmm. but incitement um i mean and if you can't tell me what it means then how does he defend himself? Like, you know, I, I don't think I, we're, we're caught up. And, and a lot of people will come to me answers were like, I think you should be worrying about more important things. And don't you know, people? And, and, and a lot of these answers reminded me of like, when people after 9-11 were um, bringing up objections to the Patriot Act, people would say, I think you should have more important things to worry about now than, you know, that There's a, the, the, the World Trade Center came down, you know. Um, I'm sure that when Roosevelt was rounding up the Japanese, people said, uh, wait a second. So what are you talking about? There's a war going on. You know, it's very easy to 
to make somebody seem like they're on the wrong side of things when they're bringing up logical things at a time when everybody's caught up in an emotional, and when I say emotional, it doesn't mean it's not correctly, it's not the right emotion, but it's an emotional wave. But uh, I think it's weird to, to impeach somebody for a charge if the charge doesn't have a meaning and you can't, and, or I think it's weird for a very smart person to say, yes, I believe it's incitement. I said, what do you, how would you define incitement? And they don't have an answer to that. That's seems to me prima facie sloppy thinking. You should certainly know what you mean and be able to say what you mean. It, 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 now, I will say that, you know, you, you could say that, but for Trump's words, they would, it wouldn't have happened, but that's not incitement. I don't know if you could say that. I don't know. I don't have enough. Well, you could make a case. You could certainly make the case. You could make the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, a good one that if Trump didn't say what he said and didn't encourage this, it wouldn't have. Well, tell me. Maybe you know, it's, it's incitement. Wait, maybe you know the facts. I don't know. Was this protest already planned? It seemed like it was, right? The rally was already planned. The FBI had, uh, you know, uh, uh, transactions online saying that it that it was they were planning it. So yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't seem an open and shut case at all that without Trump's words, I mean, there was a pipe bomb planted. That was before Trump's words, right? I mean, so, I, I, you know, so I, I tried to, um, you know, Charlie Savage wrote a thing. What did Trump say? And I tried I to- I think it was before I, Trump said that though, because he said it multiple times. That was only, the, that was like the second or third time that speech a few hours before the march. Yeah, well, so listen, so this, was, this is my personal standard for incitement. Uh, you know, I would say, if I, hold, if, I, if I heard those words, would I think he was telling me to do what was done? You know, the, so, so here's, you know, here's like the, the main paragraph. I'll read it and, I'm, and I hear it and I, want, and I listen to it and I say, would I have been in that crowd? Would I have thought he's telling me to go breach the 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 barrier of the capital and go in and take over the capital i I'll, I'll i don't think i would have thought that but i'll read it republicans are constantly fighting like a boxer with his hands tied behind his back it's like a boxer and we want to be so nice we want to be so respectful of everybody including bad people and we're going to have to fight much harder we're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer our brave senators and congressmen and women. We're probably not going to be cheering so much for them, but because you'll know, we'll never take our country with weakness. You have to show strength and be strong. And then shortly after that, he says, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So that, that's that now it, it fires people up. It rallies them. When you fire people up, shit can happen. It can't be taken out of the context of you know a month of saying that he was robbed and all and all sorts of things. But is that incite? Would I have heard those words and said he wants me to go in and and you know uh, take over the Capitol? I'm going to tell you, even though it might risk my invitations at at polite company parties in the future, I don't think that's. I would have taken it that way. I would have taken it as you need to go protest, you know, scream and yell. Uh, no justice, no peace. Fight the powers that be. Uh, I would, I would take it in in the context of those very well, uh, those those other kinds of fight analogies that we're used to, that have that have been associated with violence, by the way, but nobody ever said was incitement to violence. So that's my, I don't know. Now let's get a Canadian perspective because there are reasonable people, peaceful people. Uh, I mean, is he being impeached specifically for that, or is yeah. it also for trying to steal the election? No, 
for the incitement. For the incitement to violence. I thought that he also said, you know, march, I want you to march, march on the Capitol. Like he specifically said that sentence. Well, um, there's one other thing he says, when, when you catch somebody in fraud, you're allowed to go by very different rules. So I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do. Talking about Mike Pence, I don't see that as yeah. violence. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not cherry picking. I'm just, I mean, I'm assuming that the Times was cherry picking and I'm reading their cherry picked article. So uh, that's, uh, I'm scanning. I, I, so help me God, I'm not trying to leave. I, I tried to read the most. Uh, I, I thought I read that. I read that he said March. But oh, I here mean, it is. Yeah, here's, here's maybe what you're referring to. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. Yeah. We're going to the Capitol. We're going to try and give the Democrats. We're going to try. The Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything, not even one vote. But we're going to try. Give our Republicans the weak ones because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness they need to take back our country. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think this is incitement to violence. I mean, it's reckless. It's reckless in the sense that things were getting so hot that a responsible president would have gone out there and said, listen, I'm going to say some things here that are going to get you all fired up. But let's be clear right at the onset. We are to have no violence. We are not going to be like them. They're the party of, the, of, uh, of, uh, of looting and protest. That's not us. So don't even think about it. Like that would be a wise man to say those things because any wise person knows when you get when people are that riled up anything could happen and and anything could happen but you could say that about black lives matter speeches too that riled people so up so much that violence happened and nobody would say it was incitement to violence well with their it was just it was just it was just incautious and and if they want to if they want to say i mean there's gonna be a trial there in the senate so if they want to say if they could define incitement as being incautious yeah, he's guilty, you know, but tell me what it's happening. I think, I think the main difference in people's minds, well, between the- well, I shouldn't say incautious, reckless. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I think because they, they find his theory that the election was stolen such, such lunacy, which I think it is. I think it is too. That in and of itself, that's the, that's the, the difference that people see between Black Lives Matter and, and Trump's, you know, if the election really was stolen, well, then it would be a different story. But because he kind of made it up out of whole, either he's lying or he's a lunatic. I mean, here's the thing. He, he, pressured, he pressured government officials clearly to uh, redo their arithmetic to find, uh, uh, to find, um, you know. Votes. To, to change the, to change the, um, the election, right? Or, or to at least to give him a, a fighting chance to fight it. He pressured the guy from Georgia. He pressured Pence. He pressured. That seems to me a much clearer violation of his oath. I mean, I could, I could come, I could understand that standard. Did he do that? Did he improperly pressure people to violate, you know, like suborn, whatever it is? And um, that seems like a much cleaner thing. But yeah, the cleaner case for the, the guy is like a nut by saying that this election was stolen. Yeah, well, if, if they want to say, but that's the thing, if they want to, if they want to say, listen, the real reason we're impeaching him is because we can't trust this guy another day, which can't, actually, that can't be the reason because the trial's not going to happen until the Senate comes back. But if that's so, then they should just say that. There's something about this, which is. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so he, they're doing this because, so he won't be able to run again in four years. 
if he gets impeached again, impeachment is the, is the, the process, not the- He has finale. to get convicted. He has to get convicted. Yeah. So he has to be convicted. Yeah. So, okay. So th this, this is- but How would they convict, convict him? Not... So, you know, is this going to tie him up at all so he won't be able to like ruin the country anymore or-, or, or... No, no. He, he, he's, I mean, it's a dangerous, let's be honest. No, anybody who sees how nutty this guy is, is crossing their fingers and hoping the next, you know, whatever number of days it is, passes. Uh -huh. uh, impeachment is not going to- I mean, uh, one could say, if you're really worried about him, you don't, you don't, uh, what's the expression about a hornet's nest? You don't, you don't stick a hornet's nest. I mean, one could certainly say, and would say in other contexts, if you're that worried about this guy right now and there's no way to remove him, maybe it's time to go easy right now. Maybe impeachment is not the thing to do to a guy. Well, one can argue that if we're going to go by an if, but for standard, impeachment might cause violence. You know, if we're going to say that were it not for A, B wouldn't have happened, we could apply that perhaps to an impeachment here. Well, impeachment might cause violence, especially, I don't think impeachment is going to cause violence, but in the context of what happened to Parler taken down and Twitter and all the, I mean, every, it's a perfect storm. There's a pandemic. So why don't we talk about that, the fact that they, Twitter censored Trump, Trump, because apparently Trump, he said something on Twitter to the effect that, well, this is what happens when you steal an election. And, 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 <laughs> and Twitter, um, Twitter shut him down. And I think Facebook shut him down. And I assume he doesn't have an Instagram account or, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a TikTok account, but he's been shut down. Um, he definitely doesn't have a TikTok account. Apparently you porn is uh, all right with him. But, yeah. but I mean, you know, now we all know, and it's been said 80 trillion times that yes, these are private companies. The constitution does not forbid them from doing this, but should they be doing this? Why don't they just give him um a bunch of prostitutes and hamburgers and he'll be he'll just have his hands full and then let him go on on twitter but like have like uh you know when you screen share with tech help and they go on your screen and they can see what's happening and that he thinks he's on twitter but he's not well i think he has access to hamburgers and prostitutes anyway yeah that's true you know but um that's a good point, Dan. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I don't mean to, you know, overanalyze. No, you're right. Your point, I'm, but, um, I'm just learning I mean, your culture. If you, if you read, if you go on and read the uh, Twitter explanation of why they uh, banned him. Lifetime ban, I believe. Um, it's pretty lame. I, I don't see why they just couldn't have um, put his uh, tweets on double secret probation, you know, case by case basis and uh, let them through. So I, mean, I can just read a little bit of it here says it violates their glorification of violence policy. And um, so I'll give you one example. And you could tell me, oh, shit. I'll give you one example of what they say here was glorifying violence. And you can tell me how ridiculous it is or not. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, tr Trump tweeted, 75,000 great American patriots have voted me. America first and make America great again and have a giant voice long in the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly or in any other way or shape or form. Shortly thereafter, President also tweeted, to all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. And they wrote, um, assessment is, uh, we assess these two tweets referenced above as our, under our glorification of violence policy. 
uh, a number of factors. Trump's statement that he will not be attending the inauguration is being received by a number of his supporters as further confirmation that the election was not legitimate and seen him as disavowing his previous claim made in tweets one and two by that. Um, so a second tweet also may serve encouragement to those potentially considering violent acts that the inauguration will be a safe target as he will not be attending. So you understand, like this is, this is the best they could come up with. By Trump saying, I'm not going to the inauguration, he was telegraphing that I won't be there, so if you want to bomb, go ahead. And that's their, that's their glorification of violence. That's Twitter talking. That's actually them trying to explain themselves. I mean, what? Am I crazy? Well, wasn't there, didn't he also say as I- I'll message it to everybody. I don't, I you know sometimes this stuff is so silly that yeah, people say, oh, he can't, he can't be being straight with us. I'm that's just ridiculous. That, that's that's <laughs> preposterous. Um, Anybody can look it up. And if, and if you write, write us at podcast at comedycellar.com, if you don't think I was being straight with you, it was blog.twitter.com. I think they also had a problem when he said that this is what happens when you steal an election in response yeah. to the riots. No, he got bombed, but, but uh, he, he got banned before that. No, well, I mean, I'm, look, I'm reading the two tweets that they identified. Those mm -hmm. are the tweets they identified, permanent suspension of Matt Donald Trump. Okay. And those are the only two tweets that they identified. I read them to you. So, I don't know. That's, do, you that's, think, do you think that, Noam, do you think that now that he's off Twitter, he will have um, less of an ability to incite violence? No. He can go on in front of a camera, say whatever he wants now that he's mad, now that he has also the, uh, he can get off the election thing and he has a real righteous cause, which is they banned me and they banned you and they took down Parler. And then people on Twitter will just tweet what it is that he said. And then how will Twitter look if they have to start, you know, uh, suppressing all the tweets of Twitter accounts of people who were reporting what the president said and how are they gonna get them mm -hmm. off Fox? censorship this is the, the ugly truth and this is what i'm amazed that people are not getting this leaving aside the fact that twitter does i think have the legal right to do it they are a private company censorship begets yeah. censorship this is why the only way china could effectively control uh, its its country is by shutting down the internet all around they control the the, the very you know the the bubble of the internet you, you shut down Twitter, it's impossible. All you do is anger everybody. Now everybody's moving to Telegram, I read. Well, Telegram is encrypted and law enforcement can't even monitor it. You know, then they shut down Parler, which is nuts. And they shut it down with no notice. And apparently they, they gave like 24 hours notice and then didn't, wouldn't return any phone calls. And um, I mean, now, now what is that gonna accomplish? There are two, there are I don't know about any other countries, but I know that in Canada, and I also know that in Germany, they have pretty strict hate speech laws um, that they do enforce seemingly without begetting other uh, restrictions, like you said. Like the, well, the, the slippery slope isn't happening there. Well, yes to no. First of all, uh, just for just because it's related, Angela Merkel apparently, um, you know, has has publicly objected to the fact that Trump was taken off Twitter. So that's interesting. Second of all, I remember a story when I was in Canada, like, I don't know, seven, eight. There's a comedian that, and that is, that is, there's a comedian in Montreal who made fun of a, of a physically handicapped. Oh, yeah, yeah. Person. We had him on this show, I think. And, and wait, Mark, wait. yeah, and Mark Stein also said some stuff about, you know, Islam or whatever it is. And he got tried for hate speech laws. And, um, but I, I have had a theory for a long time 
that um, those are very isolated cases, and they were they were they were you know rebuked even by the left in Canada. It was like everyone's like, "This is ridiculous." Well, there was a, there was a case in England of a book more recently. There, there there are cases, of course, with all these things. You don't know what the self censorship that comes from this stuff, but, but it sort but, of holds these these groups like the Proud Boys or whatever from getting out of hand. Well, what Graham is saying is that we can't, if we restrict free speech a little bit, it won't necessarily snowball into, like if we just say no more hate speech, you can't use the N word, you know, or you can't. I don't think it's just a rule like that. Huh? I don't know. I, I you imagine a law that says you can go to jail for using the N word? I mean, this is. Well, there's, well, we're not saying that. I'm not saying that anyway. I'm, but I'm, we're saying that other countries have sort of had those laws. I mean, in, in Germany, if you deny the Holocaust, you can go to jail. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I think it makes people suspicious. But, I, I, but this is my, my theory for a while. I, I think that, uh, listen, I don't know what those hate speech laws are anyway. I mean, Charlie Hebdo was making those outrageous cartoons about the Prophet Muhammad, and they did so with impunity, as they should be able to. But, I mean, if that's not hate speech, then I guess the hate speech laws are just, you know, then I mean, if you can, if you can draw the prophet Muhammad having anal sex and not worry about the hate speech laws, then maybe the hate speech laws are just symbolic. But let me get my, my, my main point is that I think that for a long time, America um, is the anchor point on free speech law and America being so um, clear about its First Amendment, I think the other countries in Europe and Canada could only get so far away from us without being a little embarrassed. I worry that if America move toward, moves towards Europe, that will be license for Europe to move even further in that direction. I, and I also don't, don't know if Europe has the same issues that we have. I don't know enough about Europe. I know that America's done very, very well all these years without regulating free speech, and I wouldn't jump the gun. I don't think we should start prosecuting people. Oh, I regulated the news, though, the way the news can broadcast things. So like, there, you know, there's all those laws that were taken down in the early 90s by the Bush administration about having, uh, you have to show both sides on a newscast, and that was taken away, and then it's just a slippery slope into what we have now. No, but those- there, was always, there was always editors that would stop, uh, like an educated non-lunatic that was a stopgap between somebody printing something crazy in a newspaper and Twitter no, doesn't no. Have it, obviously. Hold on, you're, you're, that's, I know you're a Canadian, but you're referring to the Fairness Doctrine. And yeah. that, that, was a very, that was not a rule about news. That was a rule about if you wanted to use um, um, the public airwaves broadcast because that was, that was considered to be a finite resource, the, the number of, um, the, you know, the, the various, the number of TV channels, essentially. So like ABC is not on a public airwave? No, nobody is anymore, it's cable. But I mean, back then. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess they still broadcast, but it's, so it's, it's, it's an irrelevant law at this point. I, t I mean, I have, I have uh, rabbit ears here because I, I make a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, they, and, they, and I get ABC and Fox and whatever, and that's public airways, right? So no, I, you're right, but I'm saying that the, the only reason that Fairness Doctrine existed was, was under the rationale that because there was a limit, because it was such, there was a, such a limit of number of people that could broadcast, we needed to protect it. But right now there is no limit. Even if there's a limit still in the number of people on the airwaves, we have thousands of channels, YouTube, internet, whatever it is. The, the notion that we, that, that, that we might be deprived of, of different points of view there was is no, obsolete. There was no loosening of laws by 
uh, Dick Cheney in the early no, 90s. No, I, I don't think that's true. That was, uh, I saw that in that movie, Veep or whatever it was. It was, but, it was not, it's not true. It was, it was actually one of the, it was totally false, that Adam McKay movie. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of his lies in that movie. It had nothing to do with Cheney. Um, I mean, I, I think that the Twitter, their standard should just, their standard should be Twitter and, and the other social media should just be, if it, if it's, if it, if the constitution would not prohibit the government from um, censoring this, we won't either. I mean, that, that would, I think, be a sensible standard for them. Obviously, as a private company, they can do what they want, but. The Fairness Doctrine was revoked on June, in June, 2011. Yeah, but it was like neutered 20 years before that, right? I mean, I don't know. No, I don't. I, I, knew, I mean, I heard it's an, it's, it's an, Like I said, it's an obsolete, it's an obsolete uh, law because we don't get our, there's no limit. We get our news um, from, from the internet now. We're, there's, there's no, we're not, we're not that's starving. What that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're not I starving mean, for opposing points of view, are we? There was always some sort of, like, I mean, even on Fox, there is some sort of, uh, uh, checks and balances and Twitter there's none so it's like it's it's just a new it's, yeah, it's, like, it's like picking up the phone America has always been okay with what we have but the world's completely changed with social media right it's I mean what should Twitter standard be no I mean, if you were in charge in an ideal world no I, I listen in an ideal world listen I think Jack Dorsey has been um, indecisive uh, ad hoc and um and he's to blame here a little bit if i had twitter we i mean we've known these problems were on the horizon for years already if i had twitter i would have pegged my standards of the first amendment i would have created a a very clear standard and a twitter court as it were and i would have given people the right to appeal and and create some sort of hearing and i would have i would have made it such that anybody who gets thrown off twitter like all good laws and rules, that they, that they're very predictive. That you should that be very clear to people that oh, if you do this, you're you're deciding that you're ready to get thrown off, or you're a very good chance you might get thrown off. But what they do is like the Ayatollah, the Ayatollah Khomeini. Have you seen it going around on uh, in the news today? The Ayatollah Khomeini still has tweets, or Khomeini has tweets there, you know, calling for the that Israel's a cancer and we need to destroy them and bring them out. So. You know, I would fault Jack Dorsey immensely for the for thinking that you know, yeah, well, we're going to allow this, or we're not going to allow that, and and essentially, in the end, I don't want the Muslims blowing up Twitter, so I'm going to let them do this. I'm, I mean, I'm reading his mind, but why else is he, he 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 allowing Iranians to do such thing? But even if that's not the reason, that's no way to run a business. I mean, that's no way to be to be respected. Have a standard and apply it's more, it across it's the more board. than a business. It's become the way discourse is conducted in america yeah but his job is to run a business right i mean his job is to, is to, to maximize his the value of his shares that's so there's two job. questions what's what's best for twitter and what's best for america what's best for society well, i think what well, i think is what i'm describing is best for both i i think that um it shouldn't be so obvious from the totality what the political point of view of the owner of twitter is and it is obvious um I, in other words i'm saying that Sure, you could have created a standard where it would have been very clear that Trump should have been thrown off and throw everybody off also who meets that standard. And I don't and then if you don't like it, start up another company like Parler. And that would be fine, you know. And and but the fact is now this thing with Parler coming down and Parler when it was brought down, I've never been on Parler. Have you, Dan? 
A little bit. A little bit. It's kind of a cesspool. I'm sorry. What? what? I'm sorry to um, cut you off, but Elizabeth is here, and okay, I tell, tell her five minutes. When, when Parlor was 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 brought down, uh, there was it was the number one downloaded app in the country, and I mean it is a bad look when all the most powerful tech companies in the world lock arms and find a way to suppress this kind of thing from you know. This is if it's the number one app in the country, it's not just a bunch of crazy people you know, violent people downloading it. It's everyday people like Dan Natterman, you know, everyday conservatives, whatever, who just want to hear other points of view. And the whole thing put together is, is really scary. And, and the thing is, Parler will be back. And then the offshore, whatever it is. And then people say, oh, oh shit, they're back. Well, if they're really a threat, I mean, maybe we need it. This is how you back to, okay, now we need the government to, to stop. Okay, we gotta, we gotta go, because Elizabeth's here and we don't want to talk about politics. When Elizabeth is on, because um, that's not her thing. I so let, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I just have a, a quick thing: is the leader of the Proud Boys fired me once from a job I had. Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, he fired me. Now that is a step I don't, think, I don't yeah. think he's the leader of the Proud Boys anymore. But again, he, is the, he is the founder, right? I know. met him one time. Yeah, I know I met him. He, he hung out at the Comedy Cellar a couple times. Yeah. Hello. He, he fired me from Vice <laughs> magazine in like twelve years ago. Yeah, anyway, but I, anyway. That's, that's On that cool. note, okay, uh, 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 hi, Elizabeth. Hey, how are you guys doing? Okay. Elizabeth Bernstein. Okay, enough reporter. about Trump, let's talk about sex. She's been a reporter <laughs> for the Wall Street Journal for 20 years, you look fabulous. Uh, you don't have to age me, but thank you. <laughs> well, that's what was written in your bio, don't blame it me. It is. <laughs> uh, for the past decade, she has written the column she had created called Bonds, on relationships, about the psychology of relationships. Now you uh, you have a lot to teach me. I don't know much about psychology of relationships, but anyway, welcome Elizabeth Bernstein to the program. Let me introduce you around. I'm Dan Natterman. You know Noam Dorman. He's the owner of the world famous comedy seller Periel Ashenbrand is our producer. She's also an author. And Graham Kay is a comedian originally from uh, Toronto. Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa, that's the capital of Canada. That's right. And he's living here now and uh he is with us as well so hello. Graham, you know dan is canadian you know that right no 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 he's not canadian my parents are canadian and when <laughs> i was born i was dual but at the age of 25 i didn't i didn't even know this by the way until relatively recently but at the age i was dual citizen until the age of 25 at which point i had to fill out some paperwork and i didn't i didn't do it i'm so. sorry graham i stand corrected dan was canadian until the age of 25. you rejected it you just, <laughs> i didn't even know I, I didn't know that i had the option to be honest but you, you um, stabbed us in the back and i understand well i don't really need you guys anymore because uh, i'm too old to get drafted so um i don't need to be a canadian anymore if that, i mean that that would have been i guess a potential benefit if they, if i ever wanted to dodge the draft i could have just scurried and, up there. I, I don't know what to, how wise our military is, but somehow I don't think you were ever going to be on the front lines of any war. <laughs> I'm well, I'm nor, would I, nor would I, nor would I. When I right. crossed the border, when I first got my green card, the American border guard told me that I wasn't allowed to vote, but I could get drafted. That's what he told me. So right. Elizabeth has two recent columns that I would like to talk about both because both of them are important issues. One of them is, and Periel probably would like to lead the conversation here, is um, how do you improve your boring sex life during uh, a pandemic? And the other one is how to stop the negativity in your brain. 
both of these are, are, are I think, are, um, you know, hit home with people during our, our recent time. So which one do you want to handle first, Perriel? I think that um, we should tackle the second one first. Uh, the first one hits too like close to home. If you get rid of the negativity, then maybe your sex life will improve. Okay. So, so go ahead, Elizabeth. Tell us about the, your comment on negativity. And it's really nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's four, almost four I years know, it's ago. Been a, it's been a long time. It was in person last time, but thanks for having me on. Yeah. Good go to ahead. see you too. Okay. Uh, how to stop the negativity in your brain. That's, that's a big topic right now. Uh, I, I don't think I'm the only one that's been pretty negative in my head. But uh, this is what I, what I do in my uh, column is I talk to psychologists, researchers, and I hear from a ton of readers, like a lot of people write me all the time. And what I've heard over and over is I cannot stop these runaway catastrophic thoughts no matter what's going on. And it seems like every day is worse than the next. And, and now it's not even just in our heads. We're watching stuff. So uh, I, I talked last week to a really interesting researcher who is an emotion regulation guy. He's got a new book out called Chatter, which I thought was actually really, really good. And he, he taught me some techniques, which I hopefully taught readers uh, about that. Uh, the, one of the things is, you have to arrest a thought immediately when you're having a negative thought. You want to stop it, you know, as soon as you can. And you want to do something called cognitive reappraisal, which sounds really techy. But uh, what it is, is you want to replace that negative thought with a positive one, but a true positive one. It can't just be a made up, you know, I can't decide I'm going to um, win the Nobel Prize, but, you know, possibly I can meet my deadline, that kind of positive thought. So, so what, what kinds of negative thoughts are people having in the pandemic that they weren't having before? Or, or, or what, what effect is the pandemic having on, uh, on people's thinking? Are they, are, they, are they negative thoughts directly related to the pandemic or, or are they just more depressed and so everything becomes negative? It, it's, it starts off where it's sort of the pandemic freaks people out. Now everybody's pretty negative. And what's happened, and, and research shows us over and over, psychologists tell me about it every single week, no matter what I'm reporting on, is that we are all now sort of in a heightened fight or flight response mode, where we're really activated. Our brains are activated, ready to fight or flee. So uh, in that mode, you may start out worried about, uh, uh, you know, maybe I'm worried, want to keep myself safe. Uh, I'm down in Miami where people don't wear masks it, it it's you know everybody's just running around so worried can i keep myself safe but in that heightened fight or flight mode over weeks and months now anything's going to get me i'm worried about anything well you know am i gonna anything am i gonna lose my job am i gonna break my leg it just doesn't even make sense anymore people are so stressed out by the way did you see that known that cuomo tweeted that we gotta i think i sent it to you that we, he said we gotta open up because we can't you know we can't continue to to uh, be locked down. Yeah, but I, I don't know if Elizabeth wants to get dragged into into oh, that. Oh, um, uh, but so let, so let me, some let me, and I'm curious to know if everybody in the panel feels the same way. I find that if I have negative thoughts, thinking positive thoughts has absolutely no does does me it just doesn't help. I it's almost as if the chemicals that cause negativity are there, and they have to dissipate unless something really like something happens or something takes my mind off it. Um, I only, I feel like I'm just, um, 
I'm a hostage to those negative feelings. I, is, am I wrong? Or you I don't think a lot of, a lot of, if I could just jump in. Just, I like drugs, drugs would help me. Go ahead, Dan. I just don't know if Noam, if a lot of these techniques work with Noam in general, because he's just so hyper analytical and skeptical. He's going in with a very skeptical attitude. Well, do they work for you? You're not exactly a beacon of happiness. I haven't tried the positive thought experiment. <laughs> but, but there's more to that. So if you can't do the positive thought, people know it's uh, nature and nurture. So it's a personality. It's how you were raised. It's some genetics. Um, you know, but if you can't, if you can't adjust your thoughts and many, many people can, you know, there's other things and you, you, you said a word, you can distract yourself. No, you can, I do this with reading, read, read, just get into something, anything that will distract you. And that lets your brain stop like fleeing. That's I will say this, I will say this, this is, uh, uh, you know, related to me. I just started learning guitar and, uh, I found my mood to be quite quite improved since that time. Although my fingers are not improved. I got, I got a, I, I tried a bar chord and I sliced my, didn't slice it, but I severely injured my uh, index finger. No, I don't know how you do those things. Oh, and, you're not, not obviously not the way you're doing it, but. Uh, and my, 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 the tips of my fingers are painful. So that's a distraction. That's but I've been, I've been very into it and, and I don't know how long I'll stick with it. Well, I can tell you what works. I, can, I actually know this works. Well, I don't know if it makes you happy, but I learned this years ago. Like, 1999 or something when I was opening up the, the, the business and I had a tremendous amount of pressure and, and I was depressed and all a great relationship pressure on top of business pressure. And I was, it was a dark time for me. I was fighting with my father. It was a bad time. And they, they had this uh, kiosk, uh, you know, digital machine, video machine at the, at the bar I was at. And it had one of those um, games where you had to, Instantly, like get three seconds to answer. Essentially, it was, a, it was a card game, but essentially three seconds to answer kind of a math thing. Oh, boom, 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 and and it required such absolute attention. You literally could not multitask. You didn't. It, I, I noticed right away. I was not able to think about anything but answering that next question. And if as long as I played that game, <laughs> I was not able to dwell on any of my problems because it was too fast. So I don't know, I don't know what that, how that can be done by analogy in other situations, but I did notice that it was a very powerful lesson to me at that time. Like, holy shit, this works. Graham, it how made me happy, but as long as I'm playing it, I could not think, I could not be deployed. I wanted to ask Graham what, how he has been, we haven't spoken to him in so, so long, how he's holding up under the psychic strain of, of lockdown, American style. I am, I am good. First of all, I, like I, I think I'm like half joking, but being locked down is very close to a comedian's normal schedule. <laughs> You're home alone all day, and like I really was only seeing people for two hours, three hours at nighttime, and that's it. And so I do that's that. Like, that's like saying I was only eating two meals a day, so I don't have to eat. <laughs> I mean, those three hours were damn important. I know, but I like I, I have like a little bubble. I go on walks with those people. I'm good. I, I'm just built for this. I'm okay. I mean, I, I'm good at creating projects and whatever and making dumb videos and, and just doing it that way. I can't, I'm, I'm lucky that I have uh, residual money, so I'm not starving. I'm not saving any money. You're in Degrassi uh, Junior High or something? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, I was. Uh, I, I, I was uh, the, the third guy in a wheelchair. Um, but yeah, so it's like, 
I don't know. I, I'm good. It, I'm good at making goals. I'm I'm good at being alone. I guess I don't know. I'm just used to it. I'm. It's like being on the road forever, kind of. Well, um, I think that we're very lucky that we're having this pandemic in in the even even five six years ago. It would have been much much more difficult. Yeah. Zoom is not a replacement for physical being there physically with somebody. But it's pretty, it's not that bad. I mean, you, you know, if you have like a, 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 an hour long Zoom call with somebody, it really feels like you've been sitting at a table with them. It's not like, a, you know, it, it's, it's not sexual. But, oh, here, here's my wife, so we got to talk about something else. <laughs> she, she's leaving. No, you, you know, it's not um, quite the same as being uh, with people in person, obviously. But it's not, but it's, but what I'm saying is imagine life before Zoom. Mm, yes. Like imagine this pandemic. And, and imagine without Amazon, without the delivery. I mean, there's a yeah. Elizabeth, what do you think of video games? Like, I don't play video games, but all my friends are. It they seem to be really. It seems to be really helping them. Yeah. Is, the is flip it side, we'd be done by now with this. Is Go it ahead. possible that without this technology, we just wouldn't have gone into lockdown because it would have been like, fuck it, we ain't doing it. Absolutely, we're we're, ba we're barely able to hold lockdown now. Elizabeth, I, I, the last few times I've been on the road, the traffic is gnarling. You know, like like uh, it doesn't look no. like any lockdown to me. No, people have had it, and you can't blame them. What, Elizabeth, what do you think about Zoom as a substitute or partial substitute for in-person contact? Is are people is is it a great benefit to have it? Yeah, I think it's a great benefit. I, I agree with Noam. It's a it's a great benefit to have it. I can't imagine if we couldn't see people talk. It gives you some sense of being connected. Uh, but I think the touch and even the non-sexual, the hugs, you know, the being together, like I, I do think that people crave that. And the more it goes on, the more it's wearing on them, you yeah. know, and, and, and the travel. For me, I'm in Miami. I used to go up to New York about once a month for a week uh, at a time. And, and I just, it, it's, that is what I miss the most. Like, so, and all of my friends up there, my job, everything. So I'm used to also, I'm, this is my baseline working at home alone. That's fine. I've worked at home for many years alone, but no else, I, the travel. Hmm? No, I was gonna say, you know what else I noticed? I don't, this could be wrong. It could just be getting used to it, but I noticed it was video technology for a long time, Skype, right? I never, ever wanted to talk to anybody on a video phone. It was an assault. 10 right. months ago, someone just FaceTimed you out of the blue. Yeah. But now, and perhaps it's just we got used to it, or perhaps it's because we're happy to see another face. Yeah. Now I prefer the Zoom call. I never did before, you know, so I don't, or both, maybe both factors. Is that, is that, that reverberate with you guys? My, yeah. my brother has pretty severe autism. I mean, he's verbal, he can talk. He's sort of like Rain Man without any skills. Um, he, 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 he really benefits from, I mean, I taught him how to download WhatsApp and we talk all the time. We talk every day. You're the Tom Cruise in this story? Yeah. Yes, I, I am Tom Cruise. <laughs> Except I have like a bicycle instead of that cool Except car. Except you're older, not, Tom Cruise was the younger brother. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm older. So but go ahead. Anyway, it's a good point, Dan. Uh, you don't let me slip. Um, <laughs> But, I like to keep our analogies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 it does help him um, emotionally cope with this because he's he does live on his own, um, semi-assisted. But when there's a lockdown, the assistant, the people can't visit him, and he 
you know, there was a month there where it was just FaceTiming with me because my parents, they don't know, I, they can't, even he though they know how to do it, they don't know how to do it. They won't do it. it sounds like he's like a lot higher functioning than a lot of autistic people. I mean, he, he doesn't understand that, um, that uh, like $5 is worth more than 10 cents. Because 10 is more than five. Like you could never explain that to him. Well, he is verbal though, and he can live on his own. Yeah, with a lot, if, if, if like the alarm goes off, then, it, then the, you know, not, like he can't deal with that. If you know, the, it, it's, it's interesting you say that because I read an article, apparently when Jewish people have autism, it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's a> superpower. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, it has benefited is all I'm saying. Yeah. So, okay, the, yeah. the next thing, Elizabeth, I, can I move on to the other column now that my wife is out of the room? Sure, but I was gonna say that oh, I really, ahead. can I say, I really relate to what Graham's saying because my father had a, a very tough stroke, a bad stroke about a year and a half ago, and he's a, he has aphasia, so he does not understand language. He can uh -huh. speak, but does not take it in. So it's the same thing without FaceTime right now, like I would not be able to, there's no calling him, there's no like language, but in FaceTime you can, you know, communicate a little bit, like at least we see each other. And, and so I really relate to that. And I think in that way, it's something to think about. Right. There's relationships that would have just dropped off with that this technology but again we probably we might not have we, we without this technology the laws might be different you know because you we might just be unable to have a lockdown and just like fuck it we'll just take a chance but no uh, you want to get onto her next call well, so I, I just googled to make sure i remember i just had a, a flashback from some from one of the actual things i guess i learned in college when i thought about aphasia that's um sometimes caused by when the, the two hemispheres of the brain can the corpus callosum is that right yeah i know his is he had in um he just it just wiped out the language area of his brain it's just it's just a devastating I think it's called the broker area yeah it's okay. not it, it's um but he I doesn't even remember have something about hmm? i seem to remember something about the broker area when i took abnormal psychology and lived it in college broca's <laughs> uh, <laughs> area uh, Broca is aphasia okay maybe maybe it's not nice to talk about because it was father actually suffered from it. All right. I, um, I mean, it's okay. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but I just don't know the answer to, to the area of the brain. Yeah. I, it, is, it is, if you read some of the stories about people with it, I don't know if your father is one, but it's, it's like, this, they have the most weird, you know, uh, manifestations of it that are, you know, that are so interesting and, and, and give insight into how the brain processes things, right? Like, they, they it's, can it's understand, but they can't speak. They can, they can read it, but they can't say yeah. back to you and all kinds yeah. of yeah. there's nothing we can no language he can understand at all but he can he can sometimes speak completely i mean go on and on you understand every word he says but he does not understand a word back it's actually it's, kind it's, of i mean think about that understand what he's saying though even if he doesn't understand sometimes sometimes it's gibberish and sometimes it's if he if it's especially if it's something he's accessing from before it's all right there and it has nothing to do with senility like he knows exactly what's happening like he got a COVID shot today he knew he was getting it i mean he knows what's going on but he doesn't he can't uh, when he speaks, he thinks he's fine. He thinks he thinks we're nuts. Why don't we understand him? You know, he's sometimes perfect. people have the stroke or they have some brain event, and their first language is wiped out, but their second language is because uh, it's in a different part of the brain. Yeah, they can still speak a second language, which they might not speak very well, but to whatever level that they can speak it. Exactly. Yeah. Aren't the stories? Go ahead. Sorry. Reading. 
sorry, we, can, we can't tell how much he can read, but he pours over the New York Times for hours a day, which is normal for him anyway before. But so we get a sense that he is taking in a, a, a much more reading than so he can read. Zero language. So I'm he, sorry? So what if you were to like have a white erase board and be like, you know. He can sometimes read it and sometimes not. So we just can't tell how much, you know, sometimes we're sure he's wrong. He's reading a Times article. We're sure he doesn't know what he's talking about. We look over his shoulder. He's, he's completely right. right. Sometimes the whiteboard, he doesn't understand a word. It's, it's just, he, really, write? Uh, he can't really write a little bit, but not much. Like he, you know, he did call his accountant and, you know, yesterday out of the blue, my mom heard him in the other room. So he somehow accessed the number, not on his cell phone, on the landline. He was mad. My mom didn't, wasn't giving him money. <laughs> so, which is just, he can't, he can't have it, but she heard him, you know, talking, I need you to transfer some money right now. So, um, so it's just really, he's actually like incredible, but it's just also a devastating thing. And then when, when grandma's talking, it made me realize like, I wouldn't get to FaceTime them, you know, if it wasn't for some of this technology. I do visit them. They're in my pod. Anyway, we should probably, we should probably move on Go to the on. next topic. But Dan, Dan, isn't there some story somewhere where somebody had a stroke and started speaking another language and that's how they just, they discovered that there was the story that the person had a whole backstory they didn't even know oh, about, either know about adopted or... No, you know, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, maybe, that's particularly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. What is that, who's that. the one with the the man who mistook his wife for uh, a hat? That's, that's Oliver Sacks. Oliver Sacks. That's right. What did he have? Didn't he have? Um, I don't think he had anything. He was just a researcher. I mean, he he might have been on the spectrum, uh, but uh, okay. No. Okay. Well, anyway, anyway I have a question for Elizabeth. Wait one second. Elizabeth, is it true also that, I mean, it seems like part of what you're talking about um, of, of replacing negativity with um, positivity, I mean, if you're actively trying, I mean, no, I don't think you could ever do that. It's just so <laughs> part of your, <laughs> um, but is there like something about gratitude or really like actively trying to focus on um, what the things that you're grateful for? Like if you're actively trying to do that, assuming that you, you don't suffer from like clinical depression, um, I mean, is that sort of in the world of? It is. And you know, I wrote a column, a whole column on gratitude because the research is fascinating on it. And, and also something interesting I was just thinking of, it's not like necessary or even desirable to completely replace negative um, feelings because it's A, how it, we stay safe from an evolutionary perspective. We need to be scanning for the threats. And some, like I said, personalities are just not going to do it. But you don't want to banish all negativity. You just don't want to feel like crap all the time, right? Like you just don't want to be miserable. You don't want to be depressed. And so the research on gratitude is really interesting. It shows that if you um, even look at three things today that you're grateful for, and it can be something so simple, like I had a good cup of coffee or, you know, I managed to, you know, get two loads of laundry and whatever it is, if whatever it is within your parameters, um, it can really help you. And they say like, write them down every day or write it from yesterday or write them every day. And, and little practices can help balance. Like it's, again, you don't want to get involved in negativity, but you want to bat out so you're not miserable. Or that uh, if you wait. Like, all right, Perriel, you keep, what? we're trying to get to the other topic. Fun fact from Elizabeth's column, by the way, um, you can think to yourself at the rate of 4,000 words per minute, which is the, which means that in a minute and a half, you can process as many words as the State of the Union address. Um, that's, uh, that's just remarkable uh, to me. Uh, okay. 
No, next column. Sex. Sex. Can we make our sex lives fun again? First of all, that's a leading uh, question, I'd say. But uh, <laughs> few, few people report sex, feeling sexy in the pandemic. But there are ways to reignite the sparks. Let's do it this way. Periel, why don't you share with us um, you know, the areas where your, your, your sex life is boring you, and then Elizabeth can tell you what she learned about how you can improve it. Well, I think that any, I mean, having been in several very long relationships in my, you know, throughout the course of my life, I think that there's something in the beginning of relationships where like the sex is presumably like amazing. And at some point after several years, that, you know, sort of spark or zing, if you will, that just changes, right? Yeah. And, right. and you know, they know, researchers know exactly how long that is, 18 yeah. months. It's 18 months. And this is one of my favorite facts I ever learned in any of my, I, I ever like doing my column is um, Catherine the Great had a great deal of lovers. And in her palace, she would install them like in an apartment very close to her apartments in her palace. And they always, when she was young, when she took, you know, the reign, but as she got old, she got rid of them every 18 months to two years. And oh just my like, God, that's they, so She amazing. bought them like a DACA and off they went. And then the next, so the starting out, you know, I can't remember how old she was, 25 maybe, but I don't quote me on that, but starting out. So as she aged, and even when she was much older, they were always 25. And then two years later, off they went into the, um, you know, off they went to the steps and then she, she, and so that's why. So, so she, nobody knew then, but researchers believe now it's because after that two year, about 18 months to two year spark, that if you, you know, if you're the queen or you're the, um, you know, you get rid of them. If, if 18 months is a saying? year and a half, right? So I uh, should have 10 lovers every 15 years, I think. Is, <laughs> if you're not a queen or a czarina, uh, you will die alone if you do that. <laughs> yeah, you will die alone, yeah. or you've got to try to find a way to keep the spark going, right? So, or your friends. Okay, so how, how do how do right? uh, yeah. in Europe and in other cultures oh, like that's totally normal, yeah. right? Yeah, this is probably why because you get somebody you know to entertain yourself, and also this is why they look the other way. Like, go entertain my spouse because frankly, I'm a little tired of them, and I'll have my person. And but when but now finances, children, home, we're gonna live together. It is a very French. Way is that it. true? Do they really do that still? Like, is that a man say that? Well, the like. Yeah, I think you know, it's I, I've uh, there's I've I've read and read and read about it. I myself have not personally <laughs> experimented with it. All okay. right, so let I me go through. But I let, do think it is. Hold true. on, let me go through the bullet point now. Uh, yeah, I mean in Europe specifically, just to clarify what I was yeah. saying. So yeah. uh, Elizabeth wrote this column uh, more than a month ago. So uh, if she's <laughs> she's like me, this might not be fair to expect her to remember everything was in it. But uh, I'm gonna go through the bullet points, and maybe if, if you remember, you do. Thank so you. these are these are her tips for. Um, what you should uh, do. First of all, dress for success. No, <laughs> your husband doesn't want to see you in your schlubby robe all day, Periel. Go ahead, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you. 
thanks for the prompts. No, I did forget what I wrote. Um, yeah, you don't, you want to get out of the sweatpants, the schlubby robe. Oh my know. God, that's terrible news. <laughs> it's terrible news. Wash your hair. I know there's too many people I hear from that have just stopped showering. Like you want to, you know, you don't have to have your, you know, you don't have to have your power suit on, but you might want to put some clean clothes on. And I mean, I have ladies, wait, 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 March. <laughs> Ladies, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's the same? Do you think a man, are you, are you care as much about a man getting dressed as the man cares about your appearance, do you think? Yes. You, you, yes. Cariel? <laughs> well, I mean, I, like I said, you don't have to dress up, but like, you know, don't look like the biggest schlub again. You know? Yeah. I, well, I got to get out of my Hulk pajamas. Yes, you have to take you have to take off your super your superhero pajamas. I mean, I'm sort of still stuck on the fact that I haven't shaved my legs since March. Oh God! Oh. Did we? Oh. Is that true? First of all, it's even more not, but I feel like I don't mention Europe in this answer, please. Now go ahead. <laughs> it's outrageous that you would be that scanned. I mean, have you shaved your legs since March? Oh no. Okay, so why? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I stand, I stand corrected. What can I tell you? I I, I react the way I react. I, I I'm not proud it's of it. Maybe total double standard. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's just the effect that it has on me. I can't help it. Um. Okay, let's not get off topic. Okay, next, next. So I suppose that you that if you had hair on your chest, you wouldn't have that lasered either, right? Double standard. I'm just saying it is a double standard. Okay, well, you know what? It's a double. It's not a double standard. There's two standards because there's there's two different sexes here. I think I think it's really hot that you have really hairy legs. This is where this is where gay men have a point about. I don't. I mean, is Graham gay? He's not gay. I'm just saying it's an abstract. As an abstract notion, men are, women, women are uh, in their natural state, they basically are men. Yeah, I mean, you guys have decided in some patriarchal structure that we're supposed to be hairless beings. Oh, shut up. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, number two, interact with the world. We're starred for connection. My, 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 is this the right column? Yeah, How's that, how does that apply to sex? I say that about sex? Yeah, it says, um, uh, interact, right? So you, yeah. so you try to. Are you reading about the fairness laws by mistake? <laughs> Did I? How is your sex life? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's skip that one because that, that, that may be straight. Okay, build space in your relationship. Independence is sexy. Mystery, this is huge. This mystery is huge. breeds we're desire. We're sitting on top of each other right now if we're living together. We're just, there's just no space. Like, so we used to go do things. We'd go off into our own jobs. We'd go out and see our friends, like not always together with our partners. And so uh, we had hobbies. And I just feel like the longer this goes on, the more we're on top of each other. And it, it's just, boring. You just don't have anything to talk about at the end and of the day, the, even if you're not, you know, talking about the news. So it's huge. You want to, you want to at least get out, try, you know, have, try to build those things back in your hobbies, seeing, talking to your friends, even if you're not going out, you want to build space any way you can right now. What do you think about separate bedrooms for a couple? 
I know people have really successful relationships doing it. People have been married, you know, young, younger people married for a long time because the kids have different schedules or somebody, the night owl, early bird. Um, but back to space, something that I just remembered a number of years ago, I did a story looking at long-term couples and asking people been married like 40, 50, 60 years, what the biggest uh, pieces of advice were. I really thought it was going to be sex. It was space over and over and over again, he, they gave me space. That's my, how big it is. What do you my, say, Periel? Do you have enough space? No, I don't. <laughs> do you have separate I, bathrooms? Do you have separate bathrooms in your house, Periel, for you and your we, husband? We, we do, but I mean, what about separate houses? Well, that's what Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, we see how successful their relationship was, but, <laughs> but Mia, Mia Farrow and Woody had separate apartments. I don't think they were married, but they were basically married and they had separate apartments. Well, they only did that so he could fuck his daughter, no? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay, uh, build, uh, uh, um, okay, Re rethink how you initiate sex. A kiss or, a kiss or shoulder rub or dinner out used to do it uh but now that we're exhausted and stressed all the time we need to build up to sex to give ourselves time to relax and get in the mood put sex on your calendar go ahead take it elizabeth so you know now that we're sitting next to each other on the couch all the time in our schlubby clothes you know somebody's hand goes over hey or you know you look at each other it's not enough like we're just like a you're just a, you're just annoyed like we're just sick of the person and again we used to naturally have these things at least you would go out or you knew like especially dating all dating is is like an appointment you know it's on your calendar if you're dating someone you like that you're going to have sex so you know and then couples that were you know married or long-term couples also would sort of plan it in you know you would go out to dinner you get a babysitter if you have kids there were just these almost natural ways but now again it, it's very very hard to go from i have sat with you all day long where you're working in the next room now we're just sitting on the couch watching netflix to oh i'm so hot for you so you have to build it in and, and it does help even to say hey you know what what about tuesday night how's your calendar you know because then at least in your head you start planning for it you can get yourself ready here's one, Perriel, here's one that periel will like try cooking your husband something he likes for dinner and saying something nice to him no that's not in, that's not in the comments elizabeth aren't we kind of just going in the direction of have an open relationship. I mean, you seem to be, <laughs> I mean, we're pussyfooting around the, 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 the issue here, it seems to me. Yeah. Well, you can't have an open really, relationship. What we really want is somebody else, you know, sexually. <laughs> it, it is probably what we want often, certainly after that two years period. But, but you know what, the, the research on polyamory, which is exactly that, isn't so great either. It's showing that, you know, they, they don't laugh. Like that open relationship causes a lot of problems. We, we might want, we don't want an open relationship. What we want is a lover on the side, which is not the same thing. Right. This um, is why you know that there's probably, I would say definitely, but I don't want to upset anybody, uh, no God, right? Because what kind of God <laughs> creates a world where men and women, I mean, you think, at least give us that. Let us be sexually attracted to our partners like the first day for the rest of us. No, but he, he doesn't do that. He creates a world in which we're sick of each other sexually after a short time. Yeah. yeah you should read the Mark Twain story, The Mysterious Stranger. It's very short. But the whole point of that story is that essentially that we're created for the amusement of God. And this makes, <laughs> <laughs> this makes the, the plot line no, much okay, more interesting. Okay, no, I'll accept that explanation. Okay, try okay. something. Okay. 
Wait, okay. wait, slow down though. Slow down. Doesn't the idea of like putting something on the calendar though, like sort of take away from like the sexiness and spontaneity of what makes having sex so much fun in the be to begin with? Yeah, it does. The idea of it is a little distasteful, right? I, I agree. Well, but the I problem is, like, these like... days it's not happening if you don't, like, find some right. room, right? And then also it gives you the chance, and you don't have to put your nice clothes on every day. You just plan for it, right? I don't want to come late for coming early. All right. <laughs> you don't have to put it on your calendar at an exact time. You could be like, you know, the cable company, Saturday between 10 and exactly. 3. But, but maybe you don't have to call it sex night or sex 15 minutes whatever you can be it's all like date night and you like make a nice meal and you dress up and you make a night of it and that that's code for yeah that's exactly you know my situation i fear i'm single but i was going to ask my situation that's why you're better at this graham yeah actually i just got a new girlfriend so it's uh it's well, you're going to need this after in 18 months. You're going to come back and watch this. Yeah. 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 I screwed up the joke. Coming too late for coming too soon. But anyway, can I go on to that? So she says, um, trying some, try something new. The Kinsey study found that one in five people tried something sexually novel during the pandemic. And those who did were three times as likely to report improvement in their sex life. This makes sense because research has long shown that novelty boosts arousal and desire. So what about that? So you want to try, I mean, there. this is research for many years. You want to keep trying something new. And, and I did ask the Kinsey researchers, you know, who are pretty uh, experienced at looking at everything sexually. You know, this is Kinsey Institute at Indiana. Um, it, you know, is it ever a chance that a couple's just tried everything and they were they were adamant, no, no, no couples tried like everything. What? So what there's the always something new. Like what? Like a new person? Like shaving your legs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bar's low for new here, Periel. <laughs> but you could, uh, it could be a position, could be a toy, could be a room, could be somewhere else in the house, like could be anything that you just, you know, seems like it might be fun to you. You haven't tried. Oh, I don't have the energy for You know, sex. it's all so depressing. <laughs> I mean, you, have to do, you have to dress it up but even then it's not gonna be that exciting isn't there a drug you can take just to make you hot like why do I have to like so that's something new you could try viagra exactly yeah you maybe you should do yeah no viagra doesn't make you viagra doesn't make you horny uh it? It makes you no horny. it doesn't but it gives you a, it gives you a stiffer wood yeah i'm saying but if, if you're hot you wouldn't have that issue well, we might I not have it. but just having a bigger, stiffer piece might be, be exciting. You know, that yeah, might be exciting, exciting for you. You're like, I want to. Yeah, don't you want? It's like a new toy, baby. With it, like if you have like a raging hard on for like three hours, don't you want to do something about it? First of all, I don't like that sexist. Why is a man's hard on to be? Ra why is it an anger thing? Like, why why do you view a man's hard on as an angry thing? How about a how about a you know extremely romantic hard on? Yeah, we like, use yeah. the word raging a lot of <laughs> a pining hard on. But don't pining. we use the word raging for a lot of uh, extreme emotional states? One could be have a raging appetite. One could have. Uh, yeah, but rage is anyway. I just you know Periel sees a lot of it, significance in language. Okay. Um, exactly why. Do we know what the uh, the top ten or top five new things to do would be? Like, or, or, or is there anything new? Doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter for the couple because it's where their comfort lies, right? So it's any anything new. So, um, you know, and anything they haven't tried. But, but over and over, these researchers talked about different places, like the kitchen island. Oh, I forgot. Now the story's all coming back to me. I did query a lot of people for it over and asked them just, how are you shaking it up? Over and over, the kitchen island came back from readers saying, like, this was a new thing for them. Try that. So little tidbit there, maybe too much information from our readers. But it's not easy to have sex on a kitchen island. No, it's yourself. not. You have to be super tall, I would imagine. I don't know. Yeah. Things fall, and then it, you, it can disrupt the base, and then you have to pay your landlord. <laughs> you experience speaking there? I mean, but no, but let me ask you, as a married man with children, the fact that your wife is, is the mother of your children, does that take away the, 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 the hotness? I mean, you might love her all the more, but doesn't that take away the sex appeal? No. Well, it shouldn't. It should make you, you know, think, wow, this is absolutely the greatest woman. Look what she's done for me. But a great woman is not necessarily a sexy woman. No, no. Not, does it knowledge that this woman uh, um, gave birth to your child? Uh, are, you, are you asking the, the fact that it's your child, which you think would make it less sexy, yeah, your, your or, or that any child came out of that thing? Your or? children, so it's like hard to, it's, is it harder to think no, of? Not, no, no, I, I just, no, I, I haven't had that. Um, I don't know. No, that hasn't happened. That doesn't sound right to me. Okay, um, and the last one. Oh, and it says you should read uh, erotica to each other. I guess I could read Periel's book. Anyway, practice hmm. erotic Elizabeth Perel has a book. The only bush I trust is my own. And her second book is On My Knees. And these books, um, these are good books, actually. Awesome. Practice erotic empathy. Stop focusing on the things you hate about your body. Your partner doesn't notice them nearly as much as you do. And her, and her, um, her backup for this, previous, you know, previous parts, it says, is a link to the Kinsey study and this study and that study. Here she says, um, your partner doesn't notice them nearly as much as you do. Elizabeth says, I promise. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is her footnote. So Elizabeth promises. You're good. Trust me, you're good there. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I do really believe this because people spend so much time worrying about how they look and what's up. And then they, they, they don't, if I'm worried so much about how I look, then I'm never going to like, reach out. I'm never going to accept, you know, my partner reaching out to me. And then you're just like sort of dead in the water there. But, but I promise you, like you're, I really do promise your partner's not so worried about it. When, if your partner initiates, your partner's interested. I thought you were going to say, stop focusing so much on the things you hate about your partner. That's harder. <laughs> so, but that is absolutely, that, that's, that's good advice though, right? Like you want to focus, I, this is for anything, anytime, going back to the original stuff we started to talk about, like readjusting negative thoughts, you want to actively like train yourself to sort of search for the positive. So again, like this is just good relationship advice. If you're annoyed at your partner, stop and make yourself focus on something you like about your partner, what you really love about them. Hmm. I don't think my wife could find anything. In, in, anyway, uh, all right. Well, that, that's that's about it, about it. You know, Elizabeth um, writes endlessly interesting columns, and you know, you. I, we should probably, if she, if she was interested, we could have her on more often because every single one of them is like ingenious topics. I'll just read some of the the best advice our elders ever gave us: how we can reconcile with each other when our politics are so polarized. 
Uh, ner nervous about get-togethers because of riding. Regain your focus. Uh, I mean, all of them are like right between the eyes. Um, things that are on the our minds. Thank so, you. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, this was really fun. Yeah. yeah, I'd be honored to come on. It's super fun to see you guys. Like, it's back to what we're talking about with Zoom. It's nice to see faces and talk about interesting things, have a good laugh. Also, yeah. this was good for me because I'm right in that first 18 months. Like, I'm in the first two months right now. So it's like, I, I'm taking awesome. notes. I took notes. Dude, do me a favor. Put Wait, an X met, on the calendar. You met somebody in the quarantine. Wait, Graham, you met somebody in the quarantine? Yeah, yeah. I met her at a outdoor birthday party at a park for somebody else. Wow. That, that's cool. And yeah. how did you know she was, how did, what did, you took yeah, a risk? I, 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 I pulled down my mask to be like, hey, this is my face. And then hoping she would do the same because we were hitting it off. And then she did. And I liked the bottom half of her head. And then. Uh, I, I find that you can, um, you can, you can tell if somebody's attractive with a mask. Yeah. Especially with the mask, that, like depending on the mask, like the N95 that comes away from the face, but the ones that yeah. contour the yeah. face, profile. yeah, the ones that contour the face, like the cloth, you know, the surgical mask. I think you can, I think you can get my. It's my feeling, and not people have disputed this, that you can guess somebody's level of beauty, man or woman, on the on the mm -hmm. standard one to ten scale, the ten one to ten beauty scale that we've been using uh, since we were kids, within one point. You can, you can, in other words, if, if somebody's a nine, <laughs> if somebody's a nine wearing a mask, you know that they're an eight or a 10 or a nine. I think yeah. you're getting, I it would be a pretty gnarly bottom half, like a mouth area. In rare really exceptions, that could happen. But if the top area, you can see the symmetry, the, the, the skin, you can see the quality of the skin. You can see the nose because if it's a surgical mask, you get a feeling for that. And unless there's some deformity, I think you can, yeah. you can it's my feeling that you can guess within one point on the standard one to 10, uh, hot scale. Well, you know, it, I'd love to see if there was research on this. I've never heard of it, but also your eyes, like our eyes mean so much. And so when you're covered like this, your eyes mean even more. And I wonder if that would make you like even, you know, have a, it's like they say, if you're blind, you know, you hear more. Like, I wonder if you can't see this, if you're even more focused on the eyes, which is a huge element of attraction. We need to do research on this. <laughs> I need a grant. <laughs> all right, we're, we're over we're over time what is it Periel? um we're under budget i just really want to put in for revisiting the hairy leg thing no we don't we don't want to revisit that no i'm serious i think it's a really i mean it's outrageous to me well i don't know how much of it is cultural like in other words if i was raised where women were unshaven would i be attracted to unshaven i don't know but I but wasn't raised thing, that way, and I'm horrified by the notion. No, but the thing is, is that like <laughs> you guys just take for granted, like it's such a given that it's so disgusting if a woman doesn't shave, which is um, really kind of shocking to me. I, yeah, it's terrible. But uh, what can I tell you? Too, one has a visceral reaction. I can't help it. I don't like blue cheese either. I can't control that either. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, Dan, because your know, cultural food, cultural taste, and food also. You, and then you're putting a value judgment on it. It's just, it's just what we were raised on. But it's social conditioning. It may it be. Social conditioning. Thank yeah. you. Wait, sorry. What did you say, Elizabeth? I said it is social conditioning. It is, but it is, but it goes back to like even liking locks. It is what you're raised on. If you, you know, have a visceral reaction to something or not, it does tend to be like, you know, what you're used to, what you were kind of raised on. What, what gets me is the idea that, you know, back like it, 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 you should, um, 
you know, that, that women should definitely keep themselves up, but maybe men don't have to. Like that's, that to me is a little sticky too. We, it, we do, we definitely do, but it's also just a lot easier for us to keep our- It is easier. Look at Graham, He's that, he, looks, he looks beautiful with that, that three-day scruff, so manly. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Carol. Let's, let's say nobody shaved their legs. Mm -hmm. I've, seen, I've seen women who don't shave their legs. Some women have barely any leg hair. Mm -hmm. And some women, you know, are, are like, like, like monkeys, right? Like, like mm -hmm. now let's say, but let's say there was no, nothing about shaving. Still, I believe a lot of men would prefer the woman with less leg hair to the one who's like, got, you know. I mean, it's like, you always tell me when I make arguments that you vehemently disagree with, pick a standard and let it that just be the standard for everyone so why doesn't why isn't leg hair the same thing like i'm making a point that that there are there there's a spectrum from no hair to hairy and it's true we, we all women shave their legs to be uh to be hairless however in other things certain things do like there there seems to be like a universal type of backside which is like there, there are there are there are certain things no. which are found attractive no no there are plenty of cultures um in which women don't it's not the same standard as the american standard uh, even in asia that it is still they prefer to have a, a bigger backside from what i've known i mean listen if, if you're saying that standards of beauty like what people find attractive are all random I would have to say no. no. And, and I, think, I think there's plenty of science to show that like, Brad, there, there's no culture on the face of the earth that looks at Brad Pitt and goes, oh my God, he's disgusting. That's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. You're, you're getting off topic. I'm talking just, No, I'm not off topic. I'm, I'm talking I'm, about body hair right now. What I'm suggesting is that maybe the shaving of the legs comes from a, a, the ability to bring yourself to what is maybe within humans more naturally considered attractive, which is to have less hair on your legs. Yeah, that may, yes, it could. Meaning like working out gives us the ability to be more muscular, right? No. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> well, I'm with Carrielle on this. These are well, the logic to what I'm saying, isn't there? It certainly is. What Elizabeth said, she said she's with Perry Ellen. Right, I'm, that's fine, but I'm just saying there's a logic to what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, there I, are certain things we find more attractive that, that don't seem to be cultural, and, and we're wondering if, if, if this is one of them, or at least in part. You know that there's been a movement in the past 10 or so years where like mo there are a lot of Who could think that this is not beautiful? Come on now, that's, that, that, this is culturally- uh, um, That's universally gorgeous. Yes. Impervious. Oh, I was beautiful too at that age. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see what another 40 years does to her. <laughs> when her dream, after her dreams have gone unrealized. I'm going to have to go. My daughter has to tattletale and, and she can't be stopped. Oh, no. mm. You want to tell everybody? Tell everybody. Oh, tell everybody. Tell, say nice and loud. Go ahead. Um, well, it's a little weird but manny that's my taking, that's her brother well, manny was taking a shower um and he found the shaving thing and he put it on his lip and now he has a cut on his lip and uh -oh. it hurts and so it was a hurt place oh that's all right that's <laughs> is mother mad at him about that i mean she was she shouldn't be angry about that okay really uh, uh, mila how are your uh, music lessons going you're playing piano or guitar piano and you know okay well we'll have to get the band together very right? good oh is she she yeah. really is. Family is musical. There's musical genetics there, so yeah, yeah. He yeah. has an advantage. Okay, upstairs with you. 
I'm, I, I gotta go too, I'm coming too. What an adorable scandal. <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> now at some point, somebody is going to brainwash that child into thinking that her natural state needs to be altered to conform to a manufactured patriarchal standard of beauty. That's what, that's what, yeah, all right, all right, all right. That is changing, like being single, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm like in my late 30s, so I will, I, when I, I would be dating women in their mid 20s to late 30s, and that younger generation, no bras, very loose shaving regimen. Yes, it has changed. That's right. It really is changing pretty quickly. It's great. You better start swimming or you'll sink, sink like a stone. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was in the 60s that way too. Hairy armpits and no it's bras. Changed. And, it's changed. And, um, it's great. It really is. You see a lot of younger women really rejecting that. And um, I got to say, it's, uh, it makes me very happy. Yeah, so let, 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 let's hope the woman's movement does, doesn't stop until it um, doesn't please men at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, de declare victory. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have to go. I have to go. Goodbye, oh, everybody. Yeah, nice yeah, to see you. Oh, it was very nice okay. to see you. Thank you. Hey, Tess, Noam, you can go. Everybody, please say where they can find you, our lovely listeners. Yeah, I always say, at Dan Natterman, nobody, nobody, nobody comes. But at Dan Natterman, <laughs> on, on, on Twitter, I'm not on Parlor. But nobody is anymore. For us, it's the podcast, though, Dan. It's podcast at ComedyCellar.com. For all your questions, comments, suggestions, queries, I said comments already, insults or constructive criticism or just dithyrambic praise. Is that the right word? Dithyrambic praise. I'm not even sure that's a word, but but I think... Dithyramb is a word. Elizabeth, where can everybody find you? You can find me at E. Bernstein WSJ. Not on Parlor either. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm at Instagram K on Instagram, Instagram K, uh, and uh, Mr. Graham K on Twitter. And uh, I miss Parlor. Yes, yes, we all do. <laughs> all right, so see you next time on the Comedy Seller Show live from the table. Bye, everybody. Bye, Thank guys. you. Thank you.